Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. Well, we're starting a new series today titled, Take Your Stand. Everyone say, Take Your Stand. And it's all about the armor of God and continuing our mission this year of seeing the lost be found. I believe this is imperative for believers to take their stand and put on the armor of God. See, we're called to go into the world and not be of it. We're called to go into the darkest places in the world and seek and save the lost. So for us to come suited up with the armor of God in full defense and offense gives us the ability to go into all the world, to be examples and to take our stand amongst a very broken world, a very broken culture and a very real enemy. Are you with me, church? So go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And the lead up to this scripture we're about to read is important to understand. This scripture comes at the end of the letter to believers in Ephesus. It comes right after Paul gives instruction to the different groups of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, of what the different parts of the body mean. And Paul gives direction how the members of each household should operate. But then he finishes the letter by saying that we should all Every single person, every follower of Christ should put on the armor. No one is exempt. Not just a military group should put on the armor, but men, women, and children, us included, everyone should put on the armor. So we're leaning in today to understand what it means to take our stand against the enemy. And in this series, we'll be breaking down the different pieces of the armor of God and how that helps us in the war that we face. Are you ready for the word today? Ephesians 6, 10, it says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The title of my message today is Take Your Stand with the Belt of Truth. Take your stand with the belt of truth. Let's pray over the preaching of God's word. Lord, I pray that everyone would be open today, receptive to hear your word, to be changed from the inside out and to leave here different. We thank you for the opportunity to baptize people at the end of service. I even pray that people in this room that give their life to Jesus today would jump in the tub and get baptized. I pray you would equip us, empower us, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. The belt of truth, the belt of truth. It's been a long time in my life since I've owned a belt. It's one of those pieces 
of my wardrobe that I just made the decision I'm just gonna buy pants that fit me, you know what I mean? And not have to wear belts. And I don't really wear the kind of clothes where you really need a belt every day. So it was quite a while ago that I got rid of belts and I mostly wear shorts Monday through Saturday and Sunday's my pants day, you know what I'm saying? But I really, I really got rid of all of my belts and when you don't have a need for a belt, then why would you have a belt? But it was last year, I got to perform Cody and Caitlin's wedding. They're up in our production booth right now. Can we give it up for our production team? They're always hidden up above you, making everything sound and look amazing. And we're so thankful for you guys. But honestly, it was one of the worst uh, wardrobe experiences of my life because I remember um, getting ready for the wedding. And it was such a good thing at first because I go and I put my slacks on. It's like my wedding suit. Like I literally only own it for when I do weddings. And I go in and I put these pants on and quickly realized that I had lost weight. So I was excited momentarily until I realized that there is no way for me to keep these pants up. You know what I'm saying? And so I did what I could. I put on multiple layers of shirts and tucked my shirts in. I'm like trying to do anything I can to keep these pants up. And right before we're leaving, we were about to be late. I remember running into the garage, getting some paracord from my garage and tying it around my waist, doing as tight as I can because I needed a belt for this wedding and I didn't want to be late. So I remember as I'm doing the wedding, it was terrible experience, not because of Cody and Caitlin, like they're still married. So that's awesome. But I'm standing up there holding my Bible and a microphone in one hand as my pants are falling down. And you know, you're doing like the shimmy where you're doing kind of the splits and trying to keep your pants up. It was a terrible, terrible experience, but you really don't need a belt until you need it, right? Like so often it's one of those things that you forget about until you need it. And I'm so thankful for a wife that I have uh, that goes out when I forget that I need a belt because I don't use it for an entire year. And she went out and bought me a belt. And so two weeks ago, I did a wedding and I had a belt to hold my pants up. You know what I'm saying? Like I was just thinking about the wedding at that point. I wasn't thinking about what people were going to see. You know what I'm saying? But something like a belt can feel so unnecessary until it's needed. Then you feel like you can't live without it when it is needed. It's a support to hold other things in place. And Paul was super intentional with this list of the pieces of armor. So why is the belt so important in reference to the armor? It's so hidden. And oftentimes we don't need belts. Are you with me, church? And Paul really wrote this letter to the Ephesian church as he was imprisoned in Rome. He was drawing on familiar imagery of a Roman soldier, and he's using pieces of equipment as a visual picture to communicate the spiritual resources believers have been given in Christ. And the imagery also draws on the frequent Old Testament metaphors that use armor. And a Roman soldier's belt was so important because it was used to support the sword. It was used to support the breastplate. And it provided a place for the bronze plates to hang. The belt was always worn, catch this, it was always worn whether or not the other pieces of armor were put on that day. See, similar to how the belt was worn daily at all times, we have to understand that we have to put on the belt of truth daily. He places this belt on the list at the very beginning because he wants the reader to know that without this one piece of armor, the others won't hold up. The others won't be supported. 
So when we read that it's the belt of truth at surface level through our simple understanding of the word of God, if we read the NIV version, the NLT, the New King James, oftentimes we see the belt of truth and we go, it's talking about the word of God. It's talking about the scriptures. That would make sense, wouldn't it? Our whole faith is based on this one book. We can lean on this book. That makes sense that that would be the very first thing. But as I was studying this, I really began to see that there's something so much deeper taking place. See, when you go back to the original Greek language, you discover that the word truth right here is not the word of God. The word is aletheia. The word aletheia means sincerity or integrity. Put on the belt of integrity? It indicates the quality or state of being real or genuine oftentimes in the sense of visible or verifiable reality, demonstrated by facts, actual events, or proven character. Are you still with me, church? So what Paul is saying is that unless you are genuine and filled with integrity about everything in your life, about your relationship with God, you will not be able to support the rest of the armor that he wants to give you. Come on, church, we're being instructed to make sure that this belt is sincerity and integrity is firmly fastened, tight and secure, no gaps, no movement, because there's a whole lot more that he wants to put on you. Are you with me, church? Come on, he wants to put a breastplate of righteousness on you. He wants your feet to be fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. He wants you to take up the shield of faith. He wants you to take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. And those gifts and abilities can be secured in you as a gift from God when the belt is firmly on you. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Everyone say, demolish strongholds. In verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So what are we fighting? We're fighting things that we don't necessarily see. This isn't the battle that we think of in our heads. Because when I think about going onto the front line of the battle, the last thing I'm thinking in that moment is that I need integrity. I'm thinking I need a sword and I need a shield and I'm ready to fight. You know what I'm saying? Like I need the right tools in that moment. But we have to understand that the war that we're fighting is not a flesh and blood war. This is not a war where we're battling other human beings. This is a spiritual war. And so we need to fit ourselves with the the right kind of armor for the right kind of war. And that's integrity. Integrity. Sincerity. It indicates the quality or state of being real or genuine. I think of integrity as a quality of being honest, having strong moral uprightness. I've heard it said many times that integrity is doing what you say, saying what you do, and doing the right thing. Let me say it again. Doing what you say, saying what you do, and doing the right thing. See, when those things don't happen, there's what I like to call a disconnect. I see integrity as a connection point from your heart to the right things displayed through your actions. Amen? So there's this connection point that 
who I really am behind closed doors, who I really am when no one else sees, who I really am has found this connection point from my heart to my actions. That's when integrity is here. Do we see how this can be so important for our faith? And we see when there's a disconnect between your heart and your actions, you're leaving room for the enemy to find a way in. When that belt isn't firmly fastened, you have an open door for your armor not to fit correctly or not to cover every single part of you. And when that happens, there's an open opportunity for the ways of the enemy, the ways of the world, the ways of the flesh to take hold of you. We can't let there be a disconnect. This belt of integrity, aletheia, has to be firmly fasted, fastened around our waist. I remember going to coffee with a guy a while back and he was one of those people that you go, oh my gosh, you're like, you're like one of those like really saved people. Like, you know, every single scripture right in the Bible, like every other sentence was a scripture. And like, I was like, man, okay. Like a little intimidated by this guy. And I remember the way that he spoke, like he didn't use any curse words. He was like talking about his life and how he just laid everything down for the kingdom. And it was amazing. And I was so excited to be able to meet with this guy and be encouraged in, in our faith. And then it was a couple of weeks later, I see this video that he was in where he's cursing like a sailor. And I was like, hold up, hold up. What's the disconnect there? Because the reality is this, that not every curse word is really a sin, right? We're not necessarily looking at all these curse words. Oh my gosh, you're such a sinner. But the thing that happened that I saw very clearly is there's a disconnect from who this man said that he was to who he really was. So even something like a curse word, when you use it in spaces that aren't who you really are in front of people, there's a disconnect in your integrity. Are you with me, church? See, we are putting on the full armor of God. And we have to understand how imperative it is to have the belt of truth firmly fastened around your waist. That every day we wake up, we have to take a stand against the temptations to be anything other than an integritous person. Proverbs 11.3 says, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. The unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. So we kind of understand what's happening here. We can't be one person on a Saturday night at a party acting a certain way, talking a certain way, consuming things a certain way and coming to church and be like, no, I'm, I'm the most holy person and I'm like saved and sanctified. We can't go over here and try different substances. We can't try, you know, even like small little lies like, like, oh, it's just easier if I lie about this one thing, but then come over here and be, I'm a totally truthful person all the time. There can't be duplicity within this. Why? Because Proverbs tells us it will destroy you. It will destroy you. So we see the power of integrity. We see the importance of it. That when we say that we are believers, that when we say we are children of God, we have to be that. We have to be who we say that we are and who God calls us to be. There's really a subtle good news, bad news delivery that Paul does in this passage. If we read it again, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Right, he's going, here's the good news. I have the armor of God for you. But then he brings the bad news. Have you ever experienced this in life before where someone brings you the good news and then the bad news right after? 
But I remember it was a, a couple weeks ago, we had just got into our church office space and it was one of the first days in there. And you know, like when you go into something and it's like brand new to you, but like it's still old, like that's what I experienced. Like when you buy a car that's 10 years old, but it's all cleaned, like you walk into that car, you're like, I just got a brand new car. Like anybody else felt this before? That's how I felt about these offices. I'm like, nothing can touch this. It's brand new. I can't believe this. It's amazing. And this guy walks in and asks if he can use the restroom. So he comes in, uses the restroom. And then he was in there for a long time, like a curiously long time. And he comes out holding a mop in his hand. And I was like, what's going on here? Like, are you okay? He's like, hey man, uh, just want to let you know I, I cleaned the bathroom. And I was like, great, man, that's awesome. He goes, also, I think you need to call a plumber. What? And uh, it turns out we had to call a plumber $1,600 because it was completely backed up from the road. Like no new car smell in that place. You know what I'm saying? Like that was backed up in the worst way. But it was this good news, bad news moment where I remember you feel like the tension of like, oh, thank, that's great news. Okay, awesome. You clean this. And then the bad news comes of the negativity that's going to take place. And that's really what's taking place in here. See, this, this passage explains that God is offering the armor for us to stand in defense. He's saying, listen, I'm going to give you all the tools you need. I'm going to give you the armor. But the underlying bad news is that we are all at war. We are all at war. Like we think that following God is going to be rainbows and meadows and butterflies, when in reality, time and time again, we are promised hardship and struggles. And now God is offering us armor so that we can stand in the war. Are you with me, church? See, there's a very real enemy who seeks to kill steal and destroy you. He seeks to lie and to create chaos in God's creation. From attempting to tear apart the nuclear family to tearing apart the truth of God's perfect creation of two genders, the lie that abortion isn't murder and that you can have a choice in destroying God's creation, the attack on our children in every modern TV show stating that they can be whatever pronoun they want to be. There's a very real enemy. He's not just waiting in the shadows seeking. He's there prowling like a, a lion, unrelenting with this war that's taking place on the truth of God. Come on, there's deceit that is rotting the heart of every single unbeliever. And 1 Peter 5, 8 says this, be alert and be sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is going the same kind of sufferings. See, we are at war with these three enemies. The enemy, the ways of the world, and the flesh. We are at battle and at war with all of these things. And people ask me all the time, like, just, be, you know, you're a pastor. Do you get a special pass on this? Like they think that Brianna and I get a special pass. No, we're all on the same playing field. We are all struggling. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. Aren't you grateful for the grace of God? Come on, we are all at war with sin, temptations, addictions, substances, pornography, lies, stealing, lust, gluttony, greed, envy, pride. All of these things are running rampant through our world. And this is attack on our children, our women, our men. Ephesians 6, 12 says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities. See, this war isn't the kind of war where you can see the enemy. This is the kind of war that infiltrates our thinking, infiltrates our culture, 
infiltrates the way in which we live, the truth of God's word. The devil wants nothing more than to get us to doubt the word of God, than to get us to take it out of context. What did he do to Jesus? When he's being tempted in the devil, he's taking scriptures out of context and saying, this is how you should read this scripture. And Jesus goes, but listen, you don't have the full story because let me quote other scriptures to combat the fact that you're taking that out of context. That's the devil's main plan in the midst of all of it. We are at war all around us, every day, every moment of every day. And it's infiltrated our culture and unbelievers' hearts. And I tell you what, it's time for a group of believers to take a stand. It's time for a group of believers to say, I will not back down. I will not stop. I will be unrelenting in my cause. And I will say, listen, what God says is truth is truth. And I will stand for that. Amen. There's a significant point that's made in Ephesians 6 that I discovered this last week that I think is an interesting fact. You see, in Ephesians 6, when Paul would have been explaining putting on the armor of God, he would have been explaining it in an idea where you're putting the armor on a woman. And I know that sounds interesting, and what does that have to do with anything? We have to understand that the way that the people of that time saw the church was in a, a feminine way because why? We were called the bride of Christ. So when they thought of the gathering of believers, they would have thought in a feminine sense, they would have thought in a feminine idea. So when Paul is explaining, you got to put the armor on, you got to put the belt on, you got to put the breastplate of righteousness, all the different things, they would have been visualizing. And when they would have read this letter, they would have been visualizing them putting this armor on this woman, which is so countercultural for them, which is so upside down. No woman of that time would have ever been going to battle. But I think it's so important for us to understand it today and see the context and the idea, because what's taking place is Paul is stating to them, listen, no one is exempt from this war. No one is out of touch in this war. Men, women, children, every single one of them need to take a stand and put on the armor. It would have made them see it a whole lot bigger that the whole body needs to have the armor of God secured on them. My main thought today is the firmly fastened belt of truth, which is integrity, enables the armor of God to secure onto the believer and leaves no room for unrighteousness. Let me read it again. The firmly fastened belt of truth, which is integrity, enables the armor of God to secure onto the believer and leaves no room for unrighteousness. We gotta be people of Alethia, amen? We gotta be people of integrity. Then when we say we believe in God, there's no day off. There's no time off. There's no, I follow God in the morning and I'm drinking at night doing the, the, like the difference of like, I'm going to live for the world and I'm going to live for God at one moment. There's no difference. We got to be who we say we're going to be. Got to have a lethea. We got to take a stand. We got to lean in to all that God has for us as believers. And it starts with us being filled with integrity, doing what we say, saying what we do and doing the right thing. Now hear me today. Integrity is not a natural thing. It feels so backwards to the grain of what we want to do. We want to take momentary pleasures, momentary things to fulfill whatever we can around our lives. But can I tell you that 
as believers, the only way we're ever going to be able to run this race, to wake up every day and live in integrity, the only way that we're gonna be able to have a thing is to be people who know our why. And our why starts with not something we did, but something that Jesus did for us. Our why starts with that God so loved us that he gave his son for us. That's enough for us to live lives that are integrities. That's enough for us to say, you know what? I'm, I'm no longer gonna be uh, washed around by the ways of culture and by what pleases my flesh momentarily. I'm gonna be the person that says, you know what? Because Jesus died for me, because of how much God loves me, I'm gonna make the decision every day to be who I say that I'm gonna be. And I think the second reason is because of that love that he calls us to love him. And the way in which we love him is to give our lives to him, obviously, but also to see the lost be found, to see people come to know Jesus. Can I tell you that if you're not a person of integrity, there's no way that you're gonna be a minister to that person. There's no way you're gonna be a voice piece, a mouthpiece of God to that person. Or why? Is that God loved us and then he's called us to love others, amen? We gotta know our why. We gotta know our why. Would you stand to your feet? I wanna finish by reading Ephesians 6.10. And I'll say this before I read it. We need to rid ourselves daily of the things that aren't of God. We need to align who we say that we are. And we need to leave no room of the gap, of the disconnection. We need to be integritous people. And as the weeks unfold, we're gonna unwrap Ephesians 6:10 a whole lot more and talk about what the different pieces of armor will do for you and how they're gonna equip you to be all that God has called you to be in this lost, broken world and in the war that's ahead of us. But before we get there, I wanna read Ephesians 6:10 one more time. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord. Everyone say, in the Lord. And mighty in His mighty power. Say, in His mighty power. And put on the full armor of God. Everyone say, of God. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. What we have to understand that's so significant about this scripture is it's not your armor, your self-made armor. It's God's armor. We're not standing in our strength. We're standing in his mighty strength. Are you with me, church? Come on, this is an inheritance for every believer in this room. This is an opportunity, a blessing from the Father that he says, listen, I want to equip you with the tools. I want to equip you with the things to be able to take your stand against the ways of darkness, to be able to take your stand and love him as he has loved us. We are empowered to do it by a God who is all-powerful. We are empowered to do it by the God who can do the impossible. Possible. You are empowered to pick up the armor of God. King David, when he went to fight Goliath, Saul offered his armor. And David didn't want to fit in the armor of somebody else. And he said, no, I'm, I'm just going to go do what I feel like God has called me to do. Yet God is saying, listen, to each and every one of you, I have the perfect size armor. I have the perfect size sword, the perfect size shield. 
the perfect size helmet. He's all-knowing. He's omnipresent. He sees you. He knows you. He cares for you right where you're at. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to give two calls today. The first is this. Anybody who came into this room today and you go, you know what? I hear you talking, Pastor Alex, and, and I would say that I now believe that Jesus really did do all that. I really believe that he came and died for me through what you're saying. And I kind of understand what's taking place here. And you just want to acknowledge that you believe. Like you just want to raise your hand and go, yeah, I just, I believe in what you're saying. I believe that Jesus is Lord. I want to give space for you. And also maybe anybody in here who's been wandering away from your faith and you know, you've been, you've been making choices where you're saying, I, I just, I don't know about this whole faith thing. I don't know if I want to follow it anymore, but today you're convicted in your heart and you're saying, yeah, today I'm making the choice to pursue God all the days of my life. So if that's you, whether you're giving your life to Jesus for the first time or you want to return to him, I'm going to count to three. And at the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. One, know that God loves you so much. Two, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. So don't wait till you have all the answers. This is just about stating the fact that you believe. Three, would you take that first step? Raise your hand. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I want to give your life to Jesus. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Anybody else in the room? Come on, you want to give your life to Jesus. Keep your hand raised. Keep it high. Anybody else? Beautiful, beautiful. Oh, come on. Can we celebrate the three people that raised their hands today? Come on, can we celebrate that? What a beautiful moment. Hey, welcome to the family. We're so glad you made that decision to say yes to Jesus today. And I say it all the time, but you really just took the first step in this beautiful journey of following after Jesus. You know what that means is you got more steps to take. You got to take a long journey ahead of you, but I encourage you in telling you that's the best decision you've ever made in your entire life. And we're so proud of you and we're so excited for you. And I would encourage you, make sure that you make your way out to the Connect booth in the lobby afterwards. We want to put a Bible in your hand. We want to show you the next steps and help you in this journey of faith. Uh, it was so exciting. Three people. What a beautiful moment. I want to give it one last call to all the believers in the room. And it's simply this, that could we be the people that make the decision every single day to be Alethea, to be sincere, to be real, to be genuine. You know, I said it earlier, and I want you to hear my heart. Drinking isn't a sin, but drinking in excess is a sin, right? So there can't be moments where we cross over. We have to be who we say we're going to be, right? I want to make sure I clarified that so people don't hear my heart wrong. We have to be so intentional to make sure there is no gaps no gaps because there's a real very real fight a very real fight so would you just close your eyes all around this room one last time and I'm going to ask you to do something I want you to take a moment in the quietness of this moment and I want you to examine your mind and your heart and your actions. See, the reality is that every single one of us have a disconnect in our integrity almost every single day.
Mine can be so many, I can't even count them all. But could you just take this moment to kind of formulate a list in your mind? It's just between you and God. No one else knows your thoughts. No one else knows what's going on. It's just you and God who know what's going on in this moment. Any area that's a disconnect that will leave room. And so every person, no person excluded, the production team, the band, the every person in your hosts, people. If you want to offer those things up to God and bring alignment in your life, would you just begin to raise your hands stretched out and surrender to God? I think it should be every hand in this room. You see us, you know us, you see our thoughts, you hear who we are. I pray it would align today. Let us never look back. Let us never be the same. That we will be forever changed. Help every person in this room to fasten that belt around their waist so tight. Lord, that you would put more armor on us. And as we explore it the next couple weeks, Lord, I pray we will be intentional to lean in, be intentional to carry the different pieces that you're generously giving to us. We're going to take our stand. We're not backing down. And if today is the last day that we live on this planet, I pray, God, that we will live it to the fullest. If tomorrow's the last day, if in a year is the last day, God, I pray that every single day we'll live it like our last. And we will be who we say that we are going to be so that you can use us to the fullness of how you want to use us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.